Online shopping got a huge boost from the COVID pandemic. E-commerce almost doubled three years ago, still very much on the rise. It's safe, it's convenient, deliveries are often free, and you can do it 24 hours a day. But the process essentially is remote. So potential buyers rely more and more on the opinions of others, you know, consumer reviews. Well, now it turns out that's created a marketplace of its own, identified by Brett Hollenbeck and Sherry Hay at the UCLA Anderson School of Management. It is the marketplace of fake consumer reviews. It involves tens of thousands of products, millions of fake reviews, and a lot of money. It creates a challenging question. How does an online shopper know what to believe? Hello again, I'm Oren Alney, and this is How the World Works, a podcast from UCLA Anderson, and I'm delighted to welcome Brett Hollenbeck and Sherry Hay. Welcome to you both. Good to have you. Hi, good to be here, Warren. Nice to be here. Brett, let me start with you. What inspired this project? Well, I have some previous research on online reviews, and these review systems are very important. We know that they're important for consumers making purchase decisions and for sellers who are trying to establish their reputations. And they're generally seen as one of the key things that make online marketplaces function. But whenever I was doing my previous research, this subject just kept coming up, which is, aren't a lot of these reviews fake? And so Sherry was also interested in this, and we decided to get to the bottom of the matter and start directly uh, figuring out how the fake review marketplace works. Well, you discovered it. And the question I want to ask at the beginning is, how big is it? It's hard to say exactly how big it is. We do a back of the envelope calculation, and it suggests that in the channel that we are looking at, over the course of a calendar year, about four and a half million products are buying fake reviews. So at the very least, it's safe to say that millions and millions of products use fake reviews. And some people have estimated that as many as 30 or 40 percent of all reviews are fake. 30 or 40 percent. That's right. Sherry, let me go to you. Where do you find these fake reviews? Where are they most likely to appear? Yes, at the time we search all the online articles and look into all possible sources for this fake review market. And then we verified all the platforms. What I found was at the time, Facebook was the only public or semi-public channel where Amazon sellers can recruit fake reviews. When you enter Amazon review as a search keywords, Facebook will return you a list of groups and most of them are fake review groups. So groups are organized to provide fake reviews? Some groups are organized by agents, but not all of them are as organized. But there are a lot of sellers who are joining these fake review groups and post these posts to recruit for fake reviews. Brett, what does this mean for confidence in the marketplace uh, if people find out about this and if they are being deceived, which I assume they are, by fake reviews? I think it's a big problem. I think that anecdotally, many people know that this is going on and know that there's a lot of fake reviews, especially on platforms like Amazon. And so people probably put too little weight on the reviews when they're not fake. And so they probably make worse purchases as a result. So I, I think it is a big problem. I think it's a big problem for Amazon and uh, maybe one that they're not taking seriously enough. So Sherry, you had a bunch of UCLA undergraduates working on this, and it's been quite a project in order to derive the information that you have. Can you describe a little bit about 
how you did it and how you determined that you could figure out which reviews were fake and which weren't? Uh, yes. So the question is essentially: after we locate the source of fake reviews, how can we collect these data? And it is impossible to scrape Facebook data at a large scale. That's why we use UCLA undergrads as research assistants to manually collect data. They will join the groups, randomly select Facebook posts, and then connect these fake review recruiting posts to Amazon products. And I will first、uh, look into these groups to make sure these are the groups for fake review sellers to recruit fake reviews. So all these random posts, research assistant selects are these fake review recruiting posts, and on these posts, the sellers almost always attach the product pictures. So the research assistants would guess the keywords based on the product pictures and search for these products on Amazon, and then the product pictures are unique, so we can link Facebook posts to Amazon product listings. And then we ask research assistants to document these product information, such as Amazon link, product ASIN, the search keywords, etc., which allows us to collect all the other data. So, Brett, how do you know that the reviews that you have linked, as Sherry describes, are in fact fake? Well, what we know from this data collection is that. Uh, we know which products are buying fake reviews and when they are buying them, since we track this over time. We cannot say for sure which reviews are fake and which are organic during that time period, but at a very minimum, we know which products are using fake reviews, and we can look at what happens to them over time. Say what happens to the reviews or the ratings when they start buying fake reviews. What happens when they stop, and so on. What does happen, and how does it affect the product? So. Unsurprisingly, their number of reviews goes up quite a bit when they start buying fake reviews. Their average rating goes up as well,、um, and we do see that their sales spike upwards as well. So they move up in the keyword search ranks, and they get a big boost in sales—about a fifty percent boost in sales. But all of these effects turn out to be fairly short term, so they last about a month. And so what we see is that the sellers sort of keep coming back, and they do this repeatedly for a long time. So fifty percent boost—that's pretty significant. They do work. They do work, and they're actually very profitable for the sellers. So we do a, a simple calculation. It suggests that based on the cost and benefit of a fake review, they really only need to generate, say, two or three actual organic sales in order to pay off the cost of the fake review. So given that we see a big boost in sales, it suggests that this is actually very profitable for these Amazon sellers, which probably explains why so many of them do it. Who are they? How do they get paid? It seems like there's really two types of fake reviewers. There's young people, like maybe college students, who occasionally need an item, and they know that they can get a free item by leaving a five star review, and they don't care very much about the quality of it. And then there's professionals who do this a lot, and as soon as they get the product, they turn around and they sell it on a platform like eBay. They do this as a source of side income. So it's a mixture of these two types. The main Way they're paid is in the product. The way it works is they go and they buy the product on Amazon, so that the review is a verified review. After they write the review, assuming it gets past Amazon's filters, then the seller reimburses them through some side channel like PayPal, pays them back for buying the product plus maybe a small commission. So Sherry, what about these Amazon filters? Brett said earlier that、uh, he didn't think Amazon was really paying enough attention to this, but they do apparently have filters. Can you tell us a bit about that? 
Yes, I have two anecdotal evidence. One is that when sellers recruit for fake reviews, they will ask reviewer or the consumers to send their review history or the Amazon reviewer ranking. So the seller know the reviewer has a good history, and when the review got posted, it won't be easily deleted by Amazon. So Amazon detects fake reviews by potential reviewer history. The second anecdotal evidence is that when seller recruit fake reviews, they won't recruit at a high speed. For example, if they they know there's a certain threshold, if they do not generate a lot of sales, have a high percentage of reviews, will trigger Amazon algorithm, and Amazon will think this product is recruiting fake reviews. So Brett said earlier that this is a short-term process. Does Amazon? Find out about the fake reviews in time to actually stop them, or does the process take longer、uh, than that? Yes, what we find is Amazon will start deleting reviews around thirty days to a hundred days after the fake review started to show up, which means Amazon has some means or ways to detect fake reviews, but takes a while for them to、uh, start to delete these fake reviews. So, Brett, we've talked about Amazon. Are there other platforms where fake reviews also appear? And if so, how well are they policed in those places? Right. We focus on Amazon because it's the biggest market, but we find similar Facebook groups for buying fake reviews for basically any large e-commerce player like your Walmart.com or Wayfair.com, and so on. There are also fake reviews commonly posted on. Platforms like Yelp or TripAdvisor, which don't require a purchase, that is actually much easier because you don't have to do this elaborate、uh, process of having someone go buy the product. Essentially, any time、uh, there's a financial incentive to commit this type of fraud, you will see sellers doing it. So I would suspect that this is true almost everywhere. Reviews matter for sellers. You mentioned fraud. Are there crimes being committed here, and has there been any law enforcement interest in this? Yes, so technically, this is considered by the FTC to be a crime. It is hard to put these sellers in a court of law because most of them are small sellers located in China, and they're operating through fake Facebook accounts and so on. So while the FTC considers this illegal, and they do have ongoing investigations into this practice, what they're not doing is charging the individual sellers with fraud. They have. Found a few large companies that they can prove have done this, and they have taken them to court. For the most part, though, what they're doing is trying to pressure Amazon into regulating the practice more heavily itself, since Amazon has more control over it than the FTC does. Well, you say the sellers are small and located mostly in China. So, are you suggesting then that if the brand is recognizable, it comes from a big American company, that's less likely to be subject to fake reviews? Yeah, so this is one of the main ways you can determine if a company is using fake reviews. If it's a large, well-known brand, someplace you've heard of, probably they are not doing it. At least not in this way. Most of the companies doing it are very small brands who you've never heard of. Their brand name is is kind of like a nonsense word or something like that. And we actually do look up these brands and verify that about eighty percent of them are coming from China. So, Sherry, what kinds of products are most likely to be subject to this network of fake reviewing? 
We look into the product categories. What we found is that the fig reviews are prevalent in all product categories, and younger products are more likely to recruit fig reviews. Do you have any specific labels that you want to mention and warn people about? You know, unfortunately, like Sherry said, we find figures across basically all product categories and all products. So it would be nice to say, you know, just watch out for this this type of product or the other. But we we find it almost everywhere. So it's not all that easy to figure it out. It's not, and the reason is the reviewers have a pretty strong financial incentive to write a really authentic seeming review, or else they don't get paid. And so, you know, these are human beings; they're smart. They can outwit a computer and get it past the filter, but they can also make it seem just like an organic review. A lot of them include photographs. We actually find that photographs are a bad signal that. Fake reviews are more likely to have photos than than real reviews, but generally, the way they write it makes it hard to tell just by looking at the review that it's a fake review. So, what would you say are the main things for a person to look for? Then you mentioned photographs. Is there a formula that you can apply, and when you're looking at a fake review, and say, well, if it has these characteristics, I'm not going to buy this product. Not by looking at the positive reviews themselves. I would be more inclined to filter out the positive reviews and just look at the negatives and see if there's consistent themes there. Um, we actually have another paper where we look into the question of how can a platform detect fake reviews, and uh, one of the findings there is that looking at the text or looking at the photos doesn't work that well. And instead, what the the firm should look at is where the reviewers are coming from and whether there's unusual patterns in.、Uh, Which products are receiving lots of reviews from common sets of reviewers? Because probably those reviewers are the ones who are、uh, coming from these Facebook groups. So we're really back to buyer beware. Very much so. How is a consumer to know whether the review is fake or not? I think that's what our listeners really want to know. That's the bottom line. Well, one thing, like I said, is that large brand names tend not to do this. So that's one way to avoid it. Another is one of the most interesting findings we see is that after the products stop buying fake reviews, they accumulate a lot of negative reviews and especially a lot of one-star reviews. And these one-star reviews typically complain about the product quality or the value of the product. Unlike actually many one-star reviews on other products, we do a text analysis and show that those tend to be more about things like, oh, I got shipped the wrong item, or I had bad customer service, or you know the cord wasn't long enough. The one-star reviews that Follow a fake review campaign tend to be about product quality. So, looking at the one-star reviews is a good way to find out whether a product was using fake reviews and whether the product is actually, you know, sort of inflated its rating. Another thing is just to look at the most recent reviews and see if those are primarily negative or if they're consistent with like the overall average. So, Brett, what does this say about the quality of the products involved? Are they necessarily bad products because they have fake reviews, or not? Yeah, this is a great question. This was one of the biggest questions we had going into this project,、uh, because this practice is so prevalent.、Um, we wanted to know: Is it possible that this is being used by high-quality products? Is it possible that this is actually efficient? And actually, a lot of the theoretical literature in the academic world on fake reviews suggests that that's A likely outcome, and so the story there would be that new products who don't have a reputation buy some reviews to establish themselves, and then they get more sales and more reviews, and it helps sort of launch them. And in this case, it's it's something we should think of 
basically like advertising and it makes the market function well. And, and we'd see mostly high quality products doing it because they get a higher return from doing so. So one of the most important aspects of our data collection was to answer this question, we tried to see what happens when these products stopped buying fake reviews. So we had our research assistants repeatedly look in these same Facebook groups for almost a year afterwards so that we could identify the end date. And while this was very labor intensive, it helped us answer this question. And what we looked for was, well, when they stop buying fake reviews, do their sales drop off or do they stay high? And do they get negative reviews or positive reviews after that? And if they get positive reviews, it suggests that these are good products who just use this to launch themselves. Unfortunately, what we find is more consistent with the fraud story. What we see is that their sales really fall off quite a bit when they stop and their reviews get very negative and they get a lot of one-star reviews. While it'd be nice if it looked like sellers were using this sort of just like advertising and it was helping make the market function better by helping new products, new entrants establish themselves, it looks more like these are bad products, uh, low quality products who are just using this akin to fraud to inflate the reputations. So this is then not likely to become commonplace among reputable sellers? It's possible that some reputable sellers feel a need to keep up and they do it just because they know their competitors are. We looked for subsets of products where these dynamics did not play out and where they continued to get positive reviews even after they stopped. But we found just almost none of it. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of that going on. It seems like this is mostly among low quality products. Even if there's a lot of competition, the higher quality products are not engaging in it very much. How big do you think this is and to what extent are we going to have to deal with it as time goes on? Unfortunately, it seems to be quite big. There's a huge number of products participating in this. And unless Amazon changes their policies a lot, there's very little to stop it because the financial incentive to sellers appears to be quite strong. You know, it's very profitable practice for them to use this. And there's so many of these sellers and their barriers to entry are so low. And this is what Amazon wants. They want lots of small sellers populating their marketplace. And so they let these barriers to entry be low, but it means that there's a lot of small companies. They're in very intense competition with each other and they use whatever practices they can think of to outcompete their rivals. And this happens to be just one of the most profitable practices that they can use to do so. And so I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. Are regulators beginning to show an interest in it? Yes. So in the, here in the US, the FTC has an investigation into this. The UK's Competition and Market Authority has an active investigation as well. In other countries, uh, we see similar things. So these regulators who are focused on consumer protection think that consumers are being harmed by this and that the platform is not doing enough to stop it. The platform, say Amazon, would say, you know, this is not us who is doing this. This is these small sellers. We delete a lot of these reviews. And so we are not the ones who are liable. And so they're kind of at a stalemate for now. Brett, I understand that your research has actually had something of an impact on all this. I think that the only thing that could really happen would be a lot of consumer pressure on Amazon to clean up the, the problem. You know, last fall, there were some media reports about this. Um, some of those were, were people covering our paper, actually. And Amazon deleted a few large sellers. These are sellers that have very popular products, but were known to be using fake reviews. That was very unusual. They had never done that before. And it did suggest 
at least temporarily, that they were taking the problem more seriously. So I, I think more coverage and more consumer pressure could cause them to you know, start enforcing the rules more strictly. But short of that, I'm not sure I see much of a solution. Well, it's great to talk with both of you. And once again, we're talking about a network, a marketplace of fake consumer reviews. Again, we've been talking with Brett Hollenbeck and Sherry Hay of UCLA Anderson. Thank you so much for being with us. Much appreciated. Happy to do it. Thank you so much for having me. Once again, I'm Orman Alney, and this is How the World Works, a podcast from UCLA Anderson. Listen to us next time. Glad to have you this time.